to NCFM Today, a podcast about family medicine in the Old North State. I'm your host, Greg Griggs. This month, we'll be discussing the appeal of family medicine to both a current family medicine resident and a current medical student. Then we'll provide a few quick updates from the North Carolina Academy of Family Physicians. Joining me first today is Dr. Ryan Paulus, a second-year resident at the UNC Family Medicine Residency Program and resident director-elect on the NCFP Board of Directors. Dr. Paulus, thanks for joining us today. Thanks, Greg. I really appreciate you having me on the podcast and I look forward to talking to you some about family medicine. I don't know if I told you this before, but a big podcast fan. I've always wanted to be on a podcast and glad that the NCFP podcast is my first podcast. I'm glad to have you on as a, a rookie. Uh, I'm pretty much a rookie, uh, just a few editions uh, under my belt, and uh, we are learning as we go. And so hopefully you'll help us get the word out about this podcast so we'll grow our listenership with other residents and students. Absolutely. So uh, you recently wrote an article uh, for our magazine talking about the importance of both continuity in family medicine and the scope of family medicine. Uh, Why do you think continuity of care is so important? Yeah, that's a great question, Greg. And I I, uh, made this quote in the article from the AFP, and I really agree with it, that, you know, their statement that continuity of care is the hallmark and primary objective of family medicine we think about all the unique services we provide in family medicine, you know, continuity is unique and valuable service we provide, you know, what other specialty provides, you know, that type of service. A lot of them may be seeing the patient for, you know, one problem or focusing on one system and not really treating the whole patient. We had the opportunity to get into our patient on multiple levels, think about everything factors in and even put an emphasis and understanding on like the social barriers to care, um, you know, more and more now the socioeconomic and just, you know, those logistical things are factoring more and more in patient's care and getting to know someone through multiple visits and learning about their family, learning about their home situation and different struggles that they have is really important in their overall care. Um, as I kind of alluded to in the article too, about some of the statistics and just data around continuity of care, leads to lower healthcare cost, reduced ED visits, you know, lower hospitalization rates, shorter hospital stays, and improved physician patient experience. I mean, ultimately, patients want a familiar face. They don't want to have to tell their life story every time they go see a doctor. They want someone they can develop that trust and relationship with and work with them on a path to better health. Um, you know, one thing that we're seeing a lot more now is patients are getting sicker. Patients are living longer. Patients are having more chronic diseases. And, you know, sometimes you're in a clinic appointment with a patient and, you could spend a lot of that clinic appointment just getting to know them and getting to know like what are chronic things that they have and kind of teasing out from what is the new things that bring them into the, uh, the appointment that day. So, you know, having that continuity and knowing that patient is so beneficial from, you know, the patient perspective and not having them to rehash everything out. And even from a, a physician standpoint, I mean, we love continuity. I love continuity. I mean, we are blessed as physicians to the opportunity to care for people. You know, it, it's special to work with people over time and work with them and partner in their health, you know, on their path, the path to achieve their goals and a path to achieve better health. I mean, that's, that's a special feeling. And, you know, there's no price tag tag on that. And, you know, we're certainly blessed to have that opportunity. Um, and a lot of that strengthened through continuity. I mean, if we didn't have that continuity with patients, it, I don't think that meeting would be as, would be as special. It's really about relationship, right? Yeah, it is. And like, you know, it's kind of interesting coming down here for residency and just getting a whole new patient panel and 
getting to learn them over the last year and a half has been great. I mean, I talked about that one patient in the article and um, she was one of my first patients in residency. And that relationship that we had was, 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 was a great physician patient relationship. Um, and it was just kind of a, it was a special, but also a very sad moment that I was there for her passing. And, you know, but I think ultimately the, it meant a lot to the family that I was there um, during that time. Um, it was just, you know, it was a special moment. It's just, it's something I'll never forget. Well, you, you mentioned coming uh, from Ohio. Uh, so I'm going to switch it up here a little bit on you and say, you know, what attracted you to family medicine and particularly to, to North Carolina from residency, having lived in Ohio a lot of your life and done med school in Ohio? Yeah, no, I uh, lived my whole life in Ohio. So I came down here for residency about a year and a half ago. Um, had a lot of good mentors in Ohio. Uh, was involved with the academy there. Um, it's a great academy. Um, but really what what drew me to family medicine was my family doc, um, Dr. Phil Mosser, small rural town in Salina, um, Ohio, Northwest Ohio. Back where I, where I grew up, family docs did everything inpatient. They did OB, nursing home care. Um, he was the sports med doc on the sidelines. He did everything. Town over, some of the docs worked in the ED department as well. And like seeing that and seeing the impact those physicians had on the rural community that I grew up in, and just the impact my family doc had on me really just inspired me to pursue medicine, really inspired me for rural medicine, um, really just kind of motivates my interest in doing full scope medicine, providing that service for a small rural community. Um, it was one big thing that really kind of um, struck me at a young age um, that really motivated me on the path that I've, that I've been on. Um, how'd I end up here? Uh, that's a good question. Uh, I did a rotation actually down here, my fourth year of medical school, and I immediately knew is where I wanted to be. Uh, when I first started looking at residencies, you know, I initially thought in my mind that, you know, with my interest of full scope rural medicine, I needed to be at like an unopposed community program somewhere pretty rural and just get that experience. But, you know, I did a, a four week rotation here and I saw really how full spectrum this program was at an academic institution and having the benefits of being at that as far as like research and teaching. And it was really kind of had that almost unopposed to feel away because we had our own, we have our own inpatient service, We've got our own OB team. Um, a big interest of mine is the opportunity that we have out at Chatham Hospital, uh, which is that rural critical access hospital about 45 minutes or so outside of Chapel Hill, where family docs there are doing the ED they're doing inpatient, recently started maternity um, ward, actually family doctor uh, doing some C-sections if needed. It's just, you know, the opportunity to train in that environment is just, you know, that's what I grew up seeing family docs do. And that, you know, really sparked a lot of my interest in this program. And, you know, if I, I wouldn't change it for anything, you know, I love it here. I develop a lot of good mentors. Um, we got one of the most caring, uh, supportive program directors. We got the best residency coordinator in the country, Jess Smith. I just had to put that on record. Um, and the only other thing that I want to mention that, you know, what, you know, as I've been here and been able to experience family medicine in the state is, you know, I mean, there's a lot of rural health needs in this state and I, you know, I'm biased because of my interest in rural medicine, but I feel like full scope family medicine really, really aligns in with uh, uh, what these rural community needs. You know, a physician provide all those aspects, levels of care. And like, there's just a lot of rural health needs in the state. And also family medicine is extremely valued here. Um, you know, and a lot of that's to how strong our academy is, but a lot of it's also just the, the culture of family medicine here is really strong. And that's just something I was able to kind of witness and see in the last year and a half. You talk about, you know, rural health in North Carolina, and there is a great need. And so we hope we're selling you on North Carolina permanently so mm -hmm. that 
the second part of your life, the rest of your life will be North Carolina, not Ohio. So. No, that, that's right. Uh, we, we, we do know that most people end up practicing within 100 miles of where they do their residency program. So we're, we're counting on that uh, for you. And let's talk just a little bit more about scope, because I, my belief is as we move into value-based healthcare, the more that can be done within that medical home, uh, the better. And you talk about things like sports medicine. You know, I think about being able to get a joint injection if you've got a minor sports injury, you know, in your knee or your shoulder, uh, being able to take care of some dermatology in the office. And, and like you said, with their, with our uh, mothers, you know, being able to deliver their baby as well. So uh, just talk to me about a little bit about your feel on the scope of family medicine. Yeah. And you know, this is an area I feel very passionate about and I could honestly talk hours with you on this, but I'll keep it, I'll keep it brief. Um, you know, when I think about full scope and you know, how family medicine is changing scope, I can, you know, you can kind of break it up in really three different aspects, you know, outpatient care, inpatient medicine, and OB, you know, the outpatient scope of family medicine honestly could not be broader. And, you know, you've almost set your own boundaries in terms of what you want to do in the outpatient setting. I mean, family docs now are probably suboxone for opiate addiction. They're doing naltrexone and other meds for alcohol stuff. We're starting to do hep C management. I mean, there's so much more we're expanding. And then, you know, an area that I'm very particularly passionate about is ultrasound, um, a lot of the residents give me a lot of uh, jazz about my passion for ultrasound, but like that's really also transforming what we do in the outpatient setting. I mean, just the other day in clinic, I used it on my heart failure patients who was maybe a little more short of breath. I threw the ultrasound probe on their lungs, looking for fluid um, just to kind of help my clinical assessment. And I went to the next patient room, used the ultrasound to injar- uh, inject a carpal tunnel. Um, so like what we can do in clinic with that point of care ultrasound is just really expanding what you could do. Um, I honestly couldn't say enough good things about uh, ultrasound and primary care. Uh, but beyond that, like obesity medicine is starting to take off and that's coming a whole nother field that you can provide in your clinic. Chronic disease management is getting more complicated. If you just look at diabetes and heart failure and the million medicines that these people can be on and all the stuff you got to do for them. I mean, that's a lot of, that's a lot of stuff just right there. And then even beyond that, you, you can kind of choose what procedures you want to do. So how much, how comfortable do you feel taking off that melanoma? How comfortable do you take off, you know, comfortable taking this lesion off and decide how much you want to do there. You know, are you, do you feel comfortable enough that you would do IV diuresis in your clinic? You know, we have some uh, clinics around here for the heart failure patients who may need a little extra fluid off. We give them some IV Lasix. And like, is that part of your scope? Are you doing hospital level things in your clinic to keep patients out of the hospital? You know, up in Ohio, that's a practice. What they were starting to do was like a hospital at home thing, where if you had a certain disease, you know, your primary care clinic followed you while your home is like a hospital home and sent a nurse out. Like how much are you venturing in there? I mean, the it's, it's really exciting the outpatient, the scope of things and, you know, how that's evolving, especially with like telehealth and just the access of, you know, guidelines and resources that like the information's there, just, you know, live, it just comes down. What's your interest and like what time you have to encompass all that. But there's, the, it's, it's very broad there. Um, the inpatient side of things. And this is the area that I particularly enjoy. I really like, you know, being in the hospital, like the excitement of the hospital, like the medicine aspect of it. Um, I also think the continuity aspect of doing inpatient medicine is incredibly beneficial. Um, I will say like, 
it almost the couple of times I had the privilege of taking care of my patients in the hospital, like there's almost a sense of relief amongst them when they see me because I know them, I know their baseline, I know who they are. Like that, that's incredibly beneficial. Um, you know, a lot of times you're taking care of someone in the hospital, there's this process of like getting to know them and their baseline, different things. Like if you are taking a person in the hospital, that's, that's very beneficial. Um, as I talked about in the article, I mean, that, that number is decreasing for a number of reasons. It was, you know, 78% of grads in 2010. Most recently, it was down to 46%. I think somewhere in, the North, in North Carolina, it's around 20% or so providers doing um, inpatient medicine, if I had that correctly from last time we talked. You know, and I think residents are interested in doing inpatient medicine. Um, I know residents are inter- interested in inpatient medicine, but, you know, the jobs are not there as prevalent as they used to be. I mean, some residents who like inpatient medicine are kind of sometimes in a spot where they may need to choose like a hospitalist job versus not if they want to really want to do inpatient medicine. I mean, the jobs are out there, they're mostly in rural areas, you know, which for me is not that big of a deal because I'm very passionate about rural populations, but the rural health's not for everyone. I mean, some of these rural hospitals, you got family docs, you know, like Chatham, you got family docs doing ED, inpatient, ICU. I mean, how broad scopes that, how awesome is that? We got family docs doing that. But, you know, I mean, I hope this is an area that we can continue to keep, you know, open for family docs to do this. I, you know, it's beneficial for patients. You know, I, I, I'm very passionate about it. And I hope, you know, what part of one of my mission as far as advocacy is just keeping family docs doing inpatient medicine. Um, the last scope would be OB in this this something with this has to change. I mean, there's, it's well known that there's a rural maternity crisis. That's even very prevalent here in North Carolina. Um, you know, a big part of it is a lot of these rural hospitals are cl- closing their maternity wards. Um, you know, family medicine is definitely primed to fill a lot of these gaps. Um, definitely at least from a prenatal and postpartum care. You know, I mean, when you start talking about delivery and OB backup, there's some controversy going on and people could have different feelings on this. If you really, if you need an OB fellowship or not, you know, I think some of that needs to get worked out. I think there's some, you know, credentialing things with hospitals that may require you a fellowship versus not in terms of like C-sections and different regulations there. But like the, I think the need for OB in rural areas is so great that this will keep that, like that will keep the scope open for family docs at DOB, it's needed. I mean, we we recently had a grand rounds talk on just like the rural health disparities in you know maternity care in rural areas, and especially people of color. And it's just it's it's sad that you know this day and age that we're having that type of you know crisis. These people. Uh, we are definitely advocating in a number of ways to keep the scope of family medicine broad, having a lot of conversations about OB care in rural areas right now in family medicine. And I really think what uh, the UNC family medicine program is doing at Chatham Hospital uh, very well could become a model uh, elsewhere. And, and we have, we have uh, some past presidents like Dr. Chuck Rich, who have been doing ICU bed in a rural Bladen County and doing the ER in rural Bladen County and, and doing, he didn't do deliveries, but uh, I think he did everything else, both inpatient and outpatient at some point in his career. And uh, we don't want to lose that. Uh, and I think patients love it too. Uh, yeah, I totally agree. I mean, patients, I mean, I have a lot of patients to say, well, why can't you just do that? Why do I have to go over here and, and do that? You know, it's like, it's, it's something that, you know, one, we need to do for our patients. And two, it's just, that's the joy of family medicine. I mean, what, what other specialty 
can you, would you even have this conversation? Like what other specialties talking about doing inpatient ICU level care to delivering babies to, you know, doing well child checks. Like we, this is the only specialty you can do all that stuff, you know, and as we, you know, talk, you know, some of the areas may be narrowing and some of it may be changing, you know, but we also, this field is so broad and there's so many different opportunities to find what you love and do that, you know, I, I just want to encourage like students listening to that, that you can really just shape your own career within family medicine. A lot of these, you know, a lot of the barriers that, you know, limits the scope is what your interests are. I mean, I, I've talked to several of my mentors about this, you know, there's only so many hours in a day. There's only so many things that you can do. Um, so, you know, I mean, your options to do a lot of different stuff in family medicine are still there. Um, and it's going to stay there. And there's a lot of people like myself who are very passionate about keeping it that way. Um, so, you know, I'm, I, I think the future is bright. I'm excited. Um, I know that, um, you know, with some of the changes that we've seen the last couple of years with some of the hospital stuff can be a, a little bit disappointing to some people who have that interest, but, you know, hopefully we can kind of regrow that and get a little more presence on the OB4s and on the inpatient wards. Um. I think we will. And and Dr. Paulus, I really appreciate your enthusiasm and thank you for joining us uh, today on NCFM Today. Joining me next is Hannah Smith, a fourth year medical student at the Brody School of Medicine at East Carolina University. Anna is also the Family Medicine Interest Group National Network Coordinator for the American Academy of Family Physicians and the medical student member of the North Carolina Academy of Family Physicians Board of Directors. She's also a member of the North Carolina Medical Society's Legislative Cabinet and will be matching into family medicine later this month. Anna, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Greg. It's great to be here and share my love of family medicine with everyone who listens to your amazing podcast. Well, we are glad you're here. So let's talk about that love for family medicine. You know, what drew to you to a career in medicine in general and specifically what drew you to family medicine? Yeah, it was a wild journey. Uh, It started in high school when I was volunteering at a um, hospital in my town, just kind of working with patients who are being transported, working with the kiddos, doing some rehab. And um, my family was all seeing this really amazing family doctor in my town. And they were like, your passions kind of align with his. You should see if you can go work with him. And that was about 10 years ago. And it was Dr. Rhodes. So I went and shadowed him and he was doing a mission trip later that year during my um, senior prom. And he was like, do you want to go on this mission trip? And I didn't hesitate. I was like, yes, of course. So I started doing CRNA classes at night so I could have some sort of medical knowledge to uh, take with me on that trip. And I just loved how when we were on that trip, he never hesitated for a second to take care of people, um, no matter where they were or like what their problem was. So, so you really started very early, had a great mentor, and it just went from there. Yeah, if we're being honest, it probably started a little before that on my parents' cattle farm when I delivered a baby cow for the first time, which just kind of drew me into bringing life into the world and taking care of others, just not people. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So you've also been involved in the NCAFP and AFP 
you know, almost since day one of medical school, uh, and and you got involved in the North Carolina Medical Society as well. What made you so passionate about being involved with organized medicine? Yeah, so I definitely have to credit that to all the amazing students who came before me and kind of shared their passion and shared kind of what their journey had looked like and what they were able to do by being involved in organized medicine and by just having a voice um, in medicine at all. And I, I would be inspired by them showing up and telling their stories and kind of creating change every day. And it made me want to get involved on a local level. So I started getting involved with our interest group at Brody. And that's when my advisor there was talking about the academy and said, I think that would be a great place for you to get involved. You should go to this conference. Um, And I think everything really stems from conferences. That's why I'm a huge advocate for med students getting involved in those early because you never know who you're going to meet or who you'll bump into in the hallway. That'll just make you super excited for a whole different path in your career. And you're also very involved in advocacy, and you're currently doing a policy and advocacy rotation here with us at the NCFP. Why do you think medical students and practicing physicians should be involved in advocacy beyond their uh, day-to-day practice of medicine? Yeah, I think it's super important for physicians, students, residents, the whole spectrum to be involved in sharing our stories because people make policies and their guidelines that impact our patients that aren't being dictated by the people they're impacting. And we as physicians get to see people on their best days and their worst days. And being able to take those experiences and see the failures in a healthcare system, the failures in a legal system, like just gives us a really deep insight into kind of what we need to do to to make our patients' lives better. And you don't have to be the next senator or the next lobbyist or whatever. You just need to tell your stories and share kind of the experiences that you see because of those like intimate relationships you get to have with people. So That's, that's a great point. It's really about storytelling. Yeah, it's a lot about relationships. And I think that's something that med school sets us up really well for is creating that relationship with our patients. And that's why we are able to kind of see the shortcoming, like the shortcomings in different systems that impact our patients. And then telling those stories to people whose entire job is um, about communication. So we're aligned perfectly. So you are very close to putting that MD after your name to become Dr. Hannah Smith, you know, thinking about uh, when you were first entering medical school, what's that one piece of advice you'd give to individuals, you know, starting medical school in terms of their specialty choice? Yeah, I think that having like humility and confidence, it's like a super fine balance of like being open to every specialty and being really humble when you're in those ORs, you're in that delivery room, or you're in that patient room, and just knowing that like you're getting to work with some really awesome docs, but also having confidence that if you like the psych aspect of that patient encounter, if you like the whole aspect of the patient and you don't want to ever miss a single part of that patient care, like having confidence and saying, I love learning about transplant surgery. This is awesome. But I also love learning about this patient's hypertension and this patient's psych problems and just having humility to know that you're learning from some really awesome people, but having the confidence to say what parts of that experience bring you joy. That's my advice. 
That's great advice. And Hannah, thanks for joining us on our podcast. That's been Hannah Smith, a fourth year medical student at the Brody School of Medicine at East Carolina University. Now for a few quick updates from the North Carolina Academy of Family Physicians. Thanks to NC State University Heads Men's Basketball Coach Kevin Keats for filming a public service announcement urging everyone to take your shot when it's time for your COVID-19 vaccine. And thanks to Tom Campbell and Carolina Broadcasting for producing the spot. The public service announcement is co-sponsored by the North Carolina Academy of Family Physicians, the North Carolina Pediatric Society, and the North Carolina Association of Broadcasters. It will run on television stations throughout North Carolina for the next two months. You can find it on the Academy's website at www.ncafp.com or on our social media. As part of our efforts to increase the uptake of COVID-19 vaccines in North Carolina, the NCFP also issued a joint statement with the North Carolina Medical Society and other healthcare organizations urging everyone to receive their COVID-19 vaccine, regardless of the brand they are offered. Did you know that March is Colorectal Cancer Awareness Month? North Carolina Governor Roy Cooper made this proclamation recently. Colorectal cancer affects men and women equally, and is the second leading cause of cancer deaths in North Carolina. The NCFP is proud to be part of both the North Carolina Colorectal Cancer Roundtable and the North Carolina Advisory Committee on Cancer Coordination and Control. Finally, enrollment for Medicaid managed care in North Carolina is now underway, with enrollment packets mailed to all Medicaid beneficiaries in early March. In July, North Carolina would transform Medicaid to a managed care model with five health plans available for Medicaid patients. Enrollment will last about two months, at which time beneficiaries who have not selected a plan will be auto-enrolled in a plan and auto-assigned to a medical home. Practices should inform your patients which health plans you intend to contract with. Thanks again for joining us for the March edition of NCFM Today. Subscribe to our podcast at the Apple Store, the Google Store, on Spotify, or wherever you subscribe to podcasts. You can also find it on our website at www.ncafp.com. Stay on the lookout for the next edition of NC Family Medicine Today. 